Welcome to the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. This podcast is about all things outdoor photography, including landscapes, wildlife, macro, and more. The show features two talented photographers, Henry Doyle and Ryan Taylor, who bring their different experiences in photography to the podcast. The show is released weekly every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. In today's episode, Henry and Ryan feature Stephen Neff on the show, a national sales manager with Venus Optics. Henry and Ryan were given two Lawa lenses to try out and will talk about their photographic experiences with them. And Stephen will talk about using macro and wide angle lenses from Lawa. Welcome back to episode 64 of the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. And today we're having a salesman um, from a pretty popular lens company. Yes, we have Stephen Neff on the show. Welcome, Stephen. Uh, go ahead and tell us about uh, where you work and your photography background. Henry Ryan, thank you guys uh, for having me on the, the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. Uh, I'm definitely excited to be here. And uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Hunts for introducing us. Uh, Hunts Photo uh, camera store in New England, a couple locations. Um, so quick background on Lawa. Um, uh, Venus Optics is the, the company. Lawa is a brand of lenses. Relatively young lens manufacturer. Uh, established in 2013. Um, so still, uh, still less than 10 years old at this point. Um, I have had a relationship with the company for about five years. Um, and uh, last year, I took over as the national sales manager uh, here in the U.S. Um, it, two different directions. So the background on me is um, uh, camera stores. Uh, I started about, uh, 20 years ago uh, here in Buffalo, New York, working for Delaware Camera, a small family-owned camera store that is still in business today. Um, and that was my first job right out of high school when I was, I think when I was in fourth grade, uh, I, people would ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I didn't have an answer, but I had a camera at that point. And so I started to answer with, I want to be a photographer hmm. and, and it developed from there and, uh, started working, shot my first assisted on my first weddings at 16, uh, shooting events, um, uh, shooting with the local sports photographer. I got to shoot the Buffalo Sabres and I got to shoot a, a bunch of other uh, pro sports, arena football, a lot of fun stuff. Um, and as I was, yeah, as I was shooting, I was starting to realize that I love photography. I don't necessarily like being a photographer. Hmm. Um, it is a lot of work. It is um, the the creative aspects and the uh, the push and drive there is stuff that I didn't, I didn't quite have. Um, I looked and saw other photographers, uh, I, for example, like, so my sister does not have a photo background, doesn't have a technical understanding. If I hand her my camera, she can pick it up and take some amazing, beautiful pictures because she has an eye, right? The composition component of photography is so important and so critical. And my approach to photography is much more of a technical, hmm. uh, I, I'm a technical photographer. Uh, and so the, the practice for me is, uh, is composition is, uh, creating a compelling image, not necessarily a technically complex, because I will, I'll sit there and dial in from a technical standpoint, trying, trying to get an image just perfect. But, uh, the composition is so much more important. Um, so yeah, so first job out of high school was, so I'd been working, I'd been recommended by somebody to talk to the camera store, which I think is a, a great path for uh, people that are interested in photography, but aren't quite sure how to, uh, how to make it a full-time thing or how to, to make it into a career. Uh, starting in, yeah, starting working at a camera store, you are exposed to all different kinds of photography, all different kinds of equipment and um, yeah, build, building a network and building relationships with other photographers, which uh, certainly is, is a very valuable, valuable asset to have. Um, so yeah, so I worked on and off for 
the camera store for about 10 or 11 years. Uh, went back to college a couple times in there. Uh, and yeah, worked a whole bunch of different roles and, and different things. Uh, and then eventually I went back to school. I went to Syracuse University and uh, studied business. I got my MBA in 2013. Uh, looking for jobs, I, the owner of the camera store said that I should talk to the, the Photographic Research Organization, which is a co-op of about 120 camera stores around the, the U.S., uh, a handful in Canada, and at this point they've got uh, dealers in Australia, Costa Rica, and I believe England now as well. So um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a co-op, so it's, the company is owned by all of the different camera stores, um, and they, they, they function in a bunch of different ways to help support those camera stores with marketing tools and distribution, uh, as well as some other exclusive uh, camera accessory brands. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I worked, worked, for, worked for Pro for about five and a half years. Uh, I was a product manager on the Laowa account. Laowa was, was distributed through, uh, through Pro, and so that sort of led me to where I am at this point, working directly for Laowa as the national sales manager. Um, so yeah, so that's a little flip of my background. Um, photography has always been, uh, been a thread throughout my career and throughout what I do. Um, I, I still don't consider myself a photographer, um, mm. which I get some flack from people because I am taking pictures all the time. I have, uh, I have more cameras than... I, probably more cameras than most people that consider themselves photographers and <laughs> and lenses and equipment. So I, I still don't consider myself a photographer because that's still aspirational to me. I guess um, being able to support myself or to to be able to uh, yeah have a career around my photographs and be creating uh, creating images. Uh, that uh, are compelling enough to to support a career uh, that I've recognized is not my not my goal, not my skill set. I enjoy photography. I enjoy shooting. Um, for a long time, I've I said I've said that uh, the photography is for me. Um, but now I'm I'm starting to realize that uh, it's it becomes a teaching and uh, training tool. I enjoy learning about the different pieces of equipment and learning about photography uh, to be able to help other people shoot better and to be able to help other people understand different pieces of gear. And so that's where Laowa is such a great fit for me and, and for uh, my approach to photography. Um, I have spent the, the last year that I've been the national sales manager um, I constantly picking up a different camera, different lens, trying to take pictures in different ways so that I can learn and understand uh, the different pieces of equipment so that I can help better explain it and help better, uh, yeah, help better show it to other photographers and show them how they can use these tools in their creative pursuits. Um, yeah, I think, I think that, that gives enough of uh, like my background. Um, mm -hmm. I've, at this point, my primary subject i've got a five-year-old daughter who is beautiful and uh slowly but surely i am uh training her to to be a good uh a good news and a good uh good portrait subject um <laughs> uh, yeah right it's i i always uh so one of my favorite photographers a very close friend uh, uh who uh who's a wedding photographer here in buffalo new york uh, Jeff Barnes, uh, Jeffrey T. Barnes photography. Uh, I worked with him at the camera store uh, when I was just starting out. And I've said, I knew who my wedding photographer was going to be before I knew who the bride was going to be. Wow. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, just his work is, is beautiful and he just yeah. has uh, such a great approach to it. And so um, he, has, he has five children 
and uh, having watched his children grow up, they're all, I believe, in their 20s at this point. Um, yeah, they must all be in their 20s at this point if I've been doing this for 20 years. Uh, he, yeah, they were his subjects, and he was able to, to shoot uh, a lot of amazing, amazing pictures just because, right, Dad, you've got the camera. What do you, okay, yep, we're doing this. <laughs> Fine. And like, all right, yes, we're taking pictures. And so having having kids, um, one, it's you have kids so that you have somebody to mow the lawn, but also as a as a, a photo subject, as a uh, as a model. Yes. So, um, yeah. So most of my photography at this point uh, certainly has a lot has been of uh, of her and family growing up stuff. Uh, but to shift into the Laua conversation. Um, so we said, said Laua is um, about, yeah, about nine years old at this point, not quite. Um, and yeah, the question, the, so the, the two-part question, one, my, my background, so that's a big, long background of how I got to, to where I am here. Um, the Laua background, looping back on that, is young company... They started, uh, Mr. Lee is the founder of the company. Uh, he is a lens designer. He's the chief lens, lens designer for, for Laua. Um, he has been uh, designing lenses for uh, other companies, uh, other lens manufacturers uh, across the, yeah, across a wide range of the industry. Um, he's got a 40 different patents globally, for different optical designs for different things. And so he had come up with a couple of different lens designs uh, that no none of the manufacturers were really interested in producing. Um, specifically, one of the lens designs was a 60 millimeter uh, F2.8 two to one macro, oh. right? So it's not like we think of macro lenses as macro is defined as one to one. So the size of your subject is the size of the same size as the image that's being projected onto your sensor. Um, that's what we think of as one to one. That's true macro. Why stop there? Was the question he asked. Right? Why not go to a two X? And so he had this this lens design that that would go to a two X and uh, worked with a few different uh, few different people to form the company. Uh, he's originally from uh, Haifei in central China. Uh, he'd, he'd been living in Japan at that, that time and, and still lives in Japan, but uh, was able to found the company in, uh, in his hometown in central China. Uh, and oh, so the 60 millimeter lens was, was the, the start of, of things and then uh, made a 15 millimeter macro lens. So an ultra wide lens, full frame coverage um, that will do a one-to-one macro. So it's, it doesn't go all the way down into that two-to-one, but it's an ultra-wide field of view. So 15 millimeter that still get, lets you focus down to a one-to-one magnification. So, uh, so real quick, Stephen, um, about kind of the one-to-one, like what kind of look does that provide? Like um, for some of our maybe like non-macro photographers in the audience, like what kind of look does one-to-one provide or even further than that? It's, well, so it's it's close up, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Think about right if you're if you're looking at something and you get really really close to it, just just with your eye, right? You're looking right right on top of something, um, and so then you can you can then magnify and blow up the image. So if I've got a, the example that I use is a penny, right? So if I take a picture of a penny, um, it's going to just about fill the fill the sensor on my camera right from top to bottom a penny is 18 i think no what's the measurement of a penny i think it's 18 millimeters yeah it's, um, it's, and, the, it's and then the there. size of a fr- the size of a the sensor on a full frame camera is 24 by 36 millimeters so if you were to take a picture of a penny at a one-to-one magnification the penny is going to be uh, roughly fill the frame from top to bottom. You're going to have a couple millimeters on the top or on the bottom, but then you can take that same, that picture and blow it up to 
whatever size you normally would, right? If I've got a, I'm making an eight by 10, I'm blowing a penny up and I'm, I'm making it, making a print of it as an eight by 10 and it's filling the frame almost. So that's at a one-to-one. -one. When I go down to a two-to-one magnification, I'm, I'm magnifying in and getting even closer. And now I'm uh, on the, the same, we're looking at a penny here. Uh, I think we'll actually throw some slides up. Um, yeah, some slides up to show an image of a penny shot at a two-to-one magnification to see. Because not only does the penny fill the frame uh, vertically, but the penny actually fills the frame uh, from side to side at a two-to-one magnification. Uh, right, so 36 millimeter, um, right, if we think of a 36 millimeter uh, is the horizontal uh, measurement of a of your full frame sensor, 35 millimeter sensor. Um, 18 millimeters is the diameter of the penny. If we shoot it at a two to one magnification, the penny ends up filling the frame uh, from side to side and you end up cropping off the top and the bottom of the penny. Um, so, yeah, so we're talking about close up. We're talking about being right on top of your subject or, or, or um, filling the frame with a subject, being right, very, very, very close, um, taking pictures of small subjects and still having the camera focus in on them. Wow. That's awesome. You enlightened me there. I had no idea that the one-to-one -one was like more in relation to your sensor rather than the lens. So thanks yeah. for that knowledge. Well, so it's, it's not it's not in relation to the sensor, right? So if we shoot a, if we're shooting with a micro four thirds camera and we're, we're shooting with a, a at a one-to-one -one magnification, the penny is going to more than fill the frame, right? Cause the size of the penny in real life never changes. So that one-to-one uh -huh. -one, it's the, the, that's the ratio of the size of the penny in real life to the size of the penny in, uh, projected onto the sensor. Okay. So if we're using a smaller sensor, we're just dropping in down on the penny. So if we take a picture of a penny in, uh, in a micro four-thirds sensor, we're just cropping down in, in on it a little bit closer and a little bit tighter. So for macro photography, uh, there are a lot of photographers out there that will use um, that will use APS-C cameras or micro four-thirds cameras because you're getting... Yeah, the the image ends up filling more of the frame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more pixels on the um, subject, essentially. Yeah, right, because we're yeah. we're just cropping down, but the one to one ratio stays the same. Uh, so it's we're we're yeah, you're just cropping down in tighter on the subject. Uh, yeah, and and so uh, yeah, so for yeah, so I think we got there and looping back into. The, the continuation, so Laua has started making, uh, at this point, we've got the 60 millimeter two to one macro, the 15 millimeter one to one macro. And so why start with macro? Uh, so all of the Laua lenses are manual focus. Um, everything we make at this point is a, is a manual focus lens. Uh, when you're shooting macro, most of the time you're going to switch the camera into manual focus anyways, right? When you're dealing with those really close subject distances, um, there's a couple, a couple of things happen and a couple of things change. Nothing changes, but um, there are some challenges that, that, uh, that uh, come together and, and physics starts to become a challenge. Um, Right when we think of depth of field, we have three different things in photography that will affect depth of field. Uh, the first one, right, is the one that we we learn first, and and one of the like when we when you first learn aperture and understanding of its control over depth of field, I think that is a a, um, a very enlightening point for people uh, in their photography is when you first start to understand. Oh, okay, I I have this control over how much light is getting into the camera that also controls how much of the image is in focus, uh, right? So that's our, our first control over what, what or first thing that controls depth of field is the, the aperture, the lens opening. Um, but also what controls the depth of field or affects depth of field is the focal length of our lens, 
right? So a, a longer focal length lens will will have a shallower depth of field. Um, and also, the distance to the subject affects our depth of field. So when we get to a smaller and smaller distance away from the subject, the depth of field gets shallower and shallower. And so when mm -hmm. we're dealing with shooting in these, uh, yeah, shooting at one-to-one -one or going beyond it, uh, the depth of field become, we're talking about millimeters and on some of the some of the lenses, we're talking uh, a depth of field that is less than a millimeter. So, like just sort of a, uh, a sh like a yeah a a thin thin slice, a thin plane going through the image that's actually sharp and in focus. So, yeah, they're they're trying to use an autofocus system to get that focus point exactly where you want it. Um, Autofocus and certainly mirrorless autofocus has improved significantly. I think that's one of the areas the the megapixel race ended uh, years ago. Uh, the the high ISO um, image sent, uh, low light sensitivity race is still on, um, but I think we're we're getting to a little bit of a point of diminishing returns. Um, at this point, I think what autofocus is one of the areas that has seen some of the most improvements in the last five years. Mm -hmm. um, and looking at the, the newest tier, the newest round of mirrorless cameras from pretty much all of the manufacturers, it's really cool to see what they're all doing. Um, and the, the focus tracking and uh, subject lock and, and all these different things. I have yet to see any of them that even attempt to specialize into autofocus for macro photography yeah the depths of the depth of field is so so shallow um and the distances right the um yeah the the from a composition st standpoint and a movement standpoint trying to get the camera to pick out exactly what you want to be in focus and and keep it there uh, becomes a challenge and, and even if you have autofocus most of the time you end up switching into manual focus um yeah so I've, I've definitely found that um in my own experience like i have the r5 and um before i you know tried this macro lens i, I would use my one to 500 and i would always have to switch to manual because the focus points just aren't small enough even you know to get that perfect depth of field like you were talking about so and and the r the autofocus system on the r5 like there's i I, there are arguments to be made that it is one of the best autofocus systems ever made. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's amazing in and most so, areas. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's still, it's macro... Yeah, it doesn't change any of the physics about photography. Mm -hmm. um, it just magnifies them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's why Laua has started specializing one of the areas is macro lenses right and so those first two lenses macro because we yeah autofocus is not important the other area that that laua specializes in is, and has made some really interesting creative lenses is wide angle right so ultra wide angle uh that was the third lens that we made was the 12 millimeter f 2.8 rectilinear uh rectilinear ultra-wide lens and that that lens is the first to get the moniker that Laue uses of zero d or zero distortion right so it's a mm -hmm. rectilinear lens it's not a fisheye it's not spherical bending uh bending the the, the corners but you're getting an ultra-wide 12 millimeter crazy field of view with a full frame coverage um, and so that in its time, and even still, is one of the widest lenses that has a full-frame coverage. Still manual focus. Okay, well, it's not macro, but we said that the focal length of your lens also affects depth of field. A wider focal length lens has a larger depth of field, so it's much easier to manually focus and get your subject in focus. It's much more likely that the subject is going to fall within that depth of field. Uh, one of the, the 
the one of our newer lenses we've got a nine millimeter full frame it's an f5.6 uh full frame mirrorless lens rectilinear it's a 135 degree field of view um, so crazy crazy wide to still be rectilinear right it's not a fisheye it doesn't um, it doesn't bubble out and bend the bend the uh, the corners around. Um, that lens, uh, it's hard to miss the focus. I I've done it. I have I have that special skill. Uh, you can certainly do it. You can certainly miss the focus. But um, because you have such a large depth of field, because it's such a wide angle lens, um, it's generally easier to auto or to 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 get the focus. Uh, into position. Um, the other change that's happened in the last five years that's really helped is, I, I will make the argument and stand by, it is easier to manually focus a lens on a modern mirrorless camera than it ever has been to manually focus a lens on any system at any point in history, right? A split prism or rangefinder focusing or uh, using a, a loop on the back of a view camera with a sheet over your head, like using a modern mirrorless camera, we've got tools like focus peaking, where the camera is using an algorithm going through and finding the highest points of contrast, right? And when, when you have a high point of contrast, that means generally you're going to have a sharp line. If you've got a sharp line, that means that that area of the image is in focus. Um, and so we've got focus peaking tools that show us and highlight the areas that of the image that are in focus. We also have the ability to magnify and, and, and zoom down in on an image, right? Looking through like a DSLR or looking through a viewfinder, you can't magnify it in, right? You can't zoom in on any specific area and see, all right, is the, is the critical focus right on this point? If I'm taking a picture of a flower, I need to know that the, that critical focus is right on, uh, right on the stamen, right on the the little piece coming right out the middle. Like I want that critical focus right where it needs to be. And with a mirrorless camera, yeah, I can punch down in. I can zoom right into the center of the frame. I can see or, or move around wherever in the frame I need it to be, and and fine tune and make sure that that's where my focus is. So, yeah, using a modern mirrorless camera. Uh, for uh, manual focus lenses, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean, it, it's still manual focus, uh, but if you've ever used a K1000 or a, an old 35 millimeter SLR that still gives you a decent focus system, this is much easier than that, right? It's much easier to use a mirrorless camera than it than it has with any other system. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and focus um, peaking too as well. Yeah, fo focus peaking, and then so then the I ha I have only been able to play with it really quick on the R five. Um, they have a the, a couple of the different simulated manual focus modes. So they have the simulated split prism oh, manual focus. I I've right? never I seen that, but. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on the R5 and the R6 oh. where you can you can switch the manual focus assist over to where it will give you um, like a simulated split prism view, um, and so you have to align the image to, uh, to 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 focus it. So there's yeah, there's a bunch of cool things out there that are happening. I'm I am a mirrorless evangelist. Um, I think. Yeah, certainly the last two generations of mirrorless cameras um, are, are, are finally at a point. And yeah, the manufacturers have stopped making DSLRs for the most part um, because for most use cases, mirrorless cameras are going to have an advantage over DSLR. That was not the use case. I switched over to a mirrorless camera about seven years ago. I switched to a Fuji system. Um, I love Fuji. That is still the system that I consider my own. That's my my camera is the Fuji. Um, but I, I have an Icon Z. I have a couple of Micro Four Thirds cameras. I've got a Canon 5D Mark III. Um, and 
yeah, and, and I've, I've gone through a couple different Sony cameras. I'm not sure which one I'm going to stick with at this point. But trying to keep all the systems... Yeah, the, the Fuji... There was a still... A, when I got in with Fuji, my first camera was the X-T1 and then an X-T10. Um, there were still some compromises compared to shooting with a DSLR. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the last last certainly in the last this this most recent generation um of mirrorless cameras uh, yeah it's hard to continue to make an argument that dsl like a dslr has an advantage um, and i think the the autofocus was a big factor there um and uh viewfinder it lag um the first time i picked up an icon z6 uh, right, right right after launch uh, six or seven years ago, looking through the viewfinder, uh, it was oh okay. This is what, yeah, this is what it's supposed to be. This is what it needs to be. Where it felt almost like picking up my F one hundred and looking through the viewfinder, right? Big, large image, large projection, um, fast, bright, and super super sharp. Really high resolution uh, screen, and so that that changes those those little user interface things. Um, certainly can change the experience quite a bit um, to the point where, yeah, I don't certainly when I'm shooting macro, I don't like shooting with a DSLR. The, so the 5D Mark III is an amazing camera. I'm happy to pull out the telephoto lens for some sports stuff with it, but for macro shooting at this point, um, being able to have a flipping screen, like a flip out screen um, so that you're not Right, because the with macro, you're getting the camera into all different weird angles. You don't want to always have to be able to twist your body around and try and get to a point where you can see through the viewfinder to check your focus. Um, being able to flip the screen out, double check it, zoom right down in on where you want it focused, and and click. It's it's yeah. Um, as I say, I am a mirrorless evangelist, and I could probably I could certainly go on about the the advantages. Uh, of mirrorless systems um, yeah at, at this point and I there are I know I understand it's it's not quite as bad as the the early film to digital transition um, where we, we've you've got a, a lot of holdouts that are that will stick with film and say um, film is still superior or what in whatever fashion there's still a place for film it's something different but for um, for the bulk of photography, um, just like transitioning from film to digital makes sense, transitioning from a DSLR s- systems over to mirrorless systems, um, there are enough advantages at this point that it really makes sense to make that transition. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so continuing on the, the Lawa story, so the, the macro has been one area that we've really pushed and, and grown. Uh, wide angle, uh, so we've got the 12 millimeter, and then subsequently we've had we've got a bunch of other really cool um, ultra wide angle lenses. The um, a 15 millimeter f2. Uh, it's a mirrorless lens that also gets the zero D moniker. Um, we've got a couple of 14 millimeter f4, super compact, really nice quality ultra wide lenses. Um, Got, got a couple of those for both DSLR shooters or mirrorless shooters. Um, and the, 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 one of the things that Laowa has been able to do with their mirrorless lens lineup is designing lenses specifically for mirrorless systems, right? So taking into account the, the shorter flange distance um, and it, making lenses that are more compact and, and much smaller to complement the mirrorless systems. Um, yeah, so so we've got a, a, a set of the ultra-wide lenses that are all designed specifically for mirrorless. They will We don't have versions of them that will go on a DSLR camera. Um, and because everything is manual and mechanical, uh, we don't have to... Uh, yeah, we don't have to retrofit or try and figure out working with the camera's electronic systems we're just making a cam a lens that will mount onto the camera and 
just using the optics of that lens, not using any of the electronics or, or electronic interface. So we're able to make lenses for the Nikon Z system or for the Canon RF system or for the, the Panasonic Leica L system. Um, we have lenses for um, all of the different camera systems just because we can make the lens design and it's just a matter of changing the lens mount. We don't have to make the, uh, we don't have to get the, the electronics inside the lens to work with uh, the camera because there are no, or generally there are no electronics inside the lens. It's just metal and glass and little plastic rings to hold things together, shims and stuff. But um, yeah, it's a, so talking, not being able to, and you guys have each been able to, to play with a couple of Lowell lenses. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I, I say and ask is, have you ever used like a nice older manual focus lens? Uh, I, I have not since probably film class in high school. Something that's quite similar on that level. Okay. So, so like, yeah, yeah I, like I really a, like a, haven't um, besides... I've got like a Canon FD 50 millimeter, but I don't even know if that's considered nice. It's just a old film lens, but the FD. Yeah. I would still consider, I mean, that's, that's going to be, uh, I mean, a, a basic design, but a good quality. It's got a reasonably dampened focus ring, mm -hmm. um, a good solid construction, right? It's again, metal and glass. So that, that's a lot of the feel of Lawa, right? It's, it's a, it's a classic feel, well dampened, manual focusing rings. Um, but then it's also new, right? It's new in the sense that we're using new lens designs, new materials, new manufacturing techniques to make lenses for new and modern cameras, right? We're making lenses specifically for to take advantage of these new modern mirrorless systems. Um, and it's not like there are a lot of there are there are there's definitely a community of people out there that really enjoy um, going out and hunting down specific uh, older film lenses that have a special look or have a special um, special feature or advantage to them. Um, and so, yeah, you've got collectors or, or, or photographers that will specifically go out and try and uh, find an, an older lens this can give you a lot of those different like yeah a lot of the different unique feels and stuff without having to dig through uh an old pawn shop to see if they're they have the super takumar 514 that you've been looking for or um any of those uh, out there the the lenses that hold a certain mystique to them um yeah there's a bunch of lawa lenses that can fill those, yeah, can sort of fill those areas um, without having to deal with an old lens that ha may have dust or mechanical issues in the gearing or uh, fungus in the lenses. Like, yeah, it's a new lens. You don't have to deal with the stuff of um, when you're dealing when, when you're when you're using a lens from the 1970s, which I. I personally have a handful of, of lenses that I do go back to and use that, uh, yeah, that, that they each have their own special look um, and, and, and challenges as well. Um, and so, yeah, so, so the, the Lawa has continued to push and build new things, right? Different lens designs. Lawa is not making oh, it's just another 50 millimeter, right? It's pretty much every Lawa lens offers something new and different that hasn't been available on the market before, right? So that, that starting right with that 60 millimeter two to one macro. Yes, there are other 60 millimeter macro lenses out there, but this one goes beyond. This one, go, like, this one allows you to focus closer than anything else that's on the market. Um, are the nine millimeter f 5.6 rectilinear lens. That is the widest rectilinear full frame 35 millimeter coverage lens on the market. Um, we've got a, a couple other areas. So one of the lenses that we're, we are um, 
most famous for is going to be the the 24 millimeter probe lens um mm. uh, and i'm i'm sure you guys have seen yeah uh, some some of the footage that that comes out of that lens oh yeah it's it's crazy that's that's an awesome lens yeah so it's i am i am the first to say it i i enjoy saying it's not an easy lens to use right it is it's it's big it's about 16 inches long it's um an, a little bit of an awkward shape with the tapered coming to a tapered point uh so it's a 24 millimeter f14 to f40 is the aperture range um it is a light hungry lens um right you need a lot of light for that lens so it's yeah it's not easy it's not a like yeah it's it's a challenging lens to use but the images and the what you're able to get out of it there's nothing else out there that can do it right there's there's no, there are no other lenses really that that can do what that lens can do when you get into some of the cinema areas um there are other probe lenses they're certainly more expensive and more limiting on their capabilities. So, um, yeah, that 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 Laowa probe lens has opened up a lot of different areas. And when when Lau, when when Mr. Lee was first developing, when Laowa first coming out with that lens, the scope of what it was be, would be used for um, from Laowa's perspective was still relatively narrow. It's a niche. All right, we're like. Yeah, it's a niche ultra macro two to one, but a 24 millimeter wide angle. So you can get a little bit of a bug eye kind of view. You can get right down with a, a subject and still see some of the perspective. You still have some image in the background as well, along with uh, your, your macro subject in the foreground. So you're, you get that wide field of view while having that, that close up. <laughs> Since the launch and, and even right after the launch, the the number of different applications for that lens has just exploded and the the different like what people are able to do um yeah the um certainly uh b-roll and uh the, that lens really loves uh loves video loves cinema and movement um so if you're recording a, a video clip or b-roll for a commercial or something uh yeah, getting getting a twenty four millimeter lens and uh, gliding along a subject or moving along a subject or moving through a space with it, the parallax distortion as you're moving along a subject, it's really really co compelling and really interesting. I, I I've said if uh, if you've seen a potato chip commercial in the last two or three years, you've seen work done by that Laowa probe lens. Um, and I even some like uh, a lot of product photography and product videography, um, one of the most recent Apple uh, product launches, there's there are a bunch of different clips of um, yeah, a bunch of different clips of the product where it's clearly it's either shot with the Laowa probe or it's all CGI and they're just um, yeah, they're, they're just, they've got a mock-up of the product with a really high resolution, which I'm sure they have, um, a true resolution uh, mock-up, uh, CGI mock-up of all the different products. But it's, yeah, that look, it's its something that you can't get with anything else. Um, and so expanding the capabilities, expanding the creative options of what's out there and available. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Henry and I actually use quite a bit um, our lenses for video. and Maybe you could touch upon that too with Lao lenses. Yeah. So the, so, all right. So the, the two main areas we talked about, so macro and wide angle. Um, one of the other areas that Lao has built out and, and worked on is the cinema line, right? So we have most of the, the cinema line are, um, are, are photo lenses that have been, rehoused into a cinema friendly housing right so the apertures have been declicked um, and the focus ring and aperture rings uh, are geared so that you can use a follow focus system and you you can gear the lenses uh, to work on a cinema rig um, and most right so most 
most cinema lenses, you're going to be shooting manual focus. Um, so that again, that's not a hindrance on Laowa being manual focus. Um, and uh, yeah, so so lenses like that that twelve millimeter ultra wide angle with a full frame coverage, um, that yeah, that's a rectilinear. That becomes a lens that a lot of cinematographers want to have um, available because there really isn't anything else out there um, in in that range that that can do what it can do. So right, you get down into fifteen millimeter ultra wides. But having that little bit of extra field of view, that 10 or 15 percent extra, uh, make can make a difference in a shot. And so it, make, it has some really compelling images as well. We also have a handful of lenses that are cinema exclusive, right? So um, the the biggest and the marquee is going to be uh, we have a uh, we call it the Oom lens. It's O O O M. Uh, it stands for Out of Our Minds. Uh, so that is a, uh, it's a 25 to 100 millimeter uh, parafocal uh, um, yeah, cinema lens, super 35 coverage, which is roughly equivalent to an APS-C size sensor uh, is the coverage on that. Um, and that's, yeah, that really pushes, having a cinema zoom that is parafocal. So as you are just the focus breathing um, doesn't. So yeah, so minimized focus breathing and uh, it, it is designed that parafocal as you're adjusting the zoom, the focus point does not shift, right? So you can zoom like you can you can have a shot where you zoom into to a subject. And as long like the focus point doesn't change from the wide angle to the telephoto point. Um, and so, yeah, so that the Oom lens is, is really, really cool. It's a PL mount uh, native, uh, but then we do have uh, adapters for you. You can switch it over to a, a Sony E or a Canon EF mount. Um, and then we also have uh, an anamorphic adapter for that lens and a full frame expander. Um, if you if you want to uh, want to put it on a full frame camera. There's an additional optic that you can put onto the uh, swap onto the back that will, um, will will magnify the lens even more. Uh, it ends up being uh, adjusting the focal length of the lens a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's that is a um, that is our first true cinema lens. Um, and then just even just this week, we've launched a couple of other cinema lenses that don't have um, that don't have photo versions available. Um, we've got a micro four thirds, six millimeter, um, ultra wide angle lens, right? So, and that's, a, that's also got the zero D. So that's, um, a micro four thirds equivalent of the, that 12 millimeter zero D, um, a, certainly a different optical design and performs differently, but the six millimeter with a two X crop factor gives you roughly the, that, that 12 millimeter, uh, field of view. And uh, it's, yeah, so that one's really cool. We've got a new, the, or, or it's a, uh, we've got a 7.5 millimeter uh, super 35 coverage lens. So again, ultra wide angle. Um, yeah, and so the, the cinema line, we've got a couple of other fun things coming later this year. Um, so certainly exciting on that front. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Henry and I met up in the field uh, last December, and we used the, the 14 millimeter f4, and it, it was great for the video mode. Um, so we made a couple of videos out of that too. Um, yeah, Henry, what was your experience using the macro lens? Yeah, I thought it was uh, great. I thought it was a great build quality. Like it, it felt very high quality, but it was also super lightweight, uh, which is really nice because you know it's kind of a long lens, and I didn't expect it to be that light. Uh, but it's nice to just, you know, put it in the bag. And if I come across a macro subject, it's, uh, you know, it's not a problem to have along with me. So it's, um, it's been great on that front. Uh, nice and sharp, like, like really great. Like no difference between any kind of Canon L series or anything like just super sharp, super high quality. Um, the minimum focus distance, uh, is it a one-to-one, -one, the RF macro? Is that? 
the RF macro will go all the way to two to one. The 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 hundred, okay. you, you have the the hundred millimeter two point eight. Yeah, RF, that that one will go all the way to a two to one magnification. Yeah. So I've in the past I've tried. I think I've tried a one to one in the past, and this is my first two to one, and it's just like another world. It's it's crazy. Uh, just yesterday I was down in a park, and I was shooting these early daffodils. I could just get basically in the daffodil. Uh, that's how close I could get. It was just insane. And, you know, that magnification uh, just makes it larger than life for sure. So um, it's been great. I really like it. Um, aperture ring, manual focus ring, all that kind of stuff. It's it's great as well. Um, I use autofocus a lot, but it's, it's nice to slow down um, with that. And I think, you know, for macro anyway, that's what I ended up doing. So like you were saying. Yeah, and the the that the hundred millimeter there, and I've, oh, there's there's two points I'll make on that lens specifically. So one, um, the hundred millimeter, it's a about a five hundred dollar lens. So when you compare it to any of the, so compare it to the the actually, so last year, Canon launched their RF hundred millimeter two point eight. It's a right, so it's autofocus. It's image stabilized. Um, one of the marquee features that they have on that is it will go to a 1.4 to one magnification. So still not, still doesn't make it to a two to one, but it does go beyond a one to one. That's a $1,400 lens. And so, all right, the image stabilization and the autofocus are, are going to be two of the, the biggest advantages over the Lawa. For macro, and certainly as we're approaching one to one and going beyond it, your autofocus you're going to turn off. You're going to end up using manual focus, and the image stabilization. There's a little bit of an advantage with image stabilization, but um, at those macro distances, um, yeah, the image stabilization struggles to really help stabilize. Um, Stabilize very much. You're not getting your full uh, four or five stops of stabilization out of it. Um, and more and more now, you've got in-body image stabilization, right? So that's that is able to, um, yeah, is is able to help uh, stabilize the image, so you don't need it built into the lens. And it's a pretty significant price difference there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Um, and then, so then the other, from a size standpoint, um, just in the last couple months, we've launched a brand new 85 millimeter two to one macro. So it's an 85 millimeter F5.6 mirrorless native design. So it's designed specifically for uh, mirrorless systems. So Nikon Z, Canon R, uh, Sony E, and the Panasonic L. Um, I think we have an M a Leica M mount of that lens as well. Um, that's that's one of the one of the two. We've got a handful of, of lenses that also come in an M mount, which is cool. Um, so the 85 millimeter, when you're going to a, an f5.6, we're able to shrink the lens down significantly. So that that lens ends up being really really compact. And so the compromise, all right, it's not a 2.8. We're losing two stops of light, but again, for macro and certainly getting into these ultra macro ranges, the depth of field is so shallow that you're not going to be shooting at 2.8. You're going to be shooting down at f5.6 or f11, um, right? You're, you're going to be closing the aperture down because you need you need that extra depth of field for mm -hmm. your composition most of the time. Um, so so yeah, so that that 50 or the 85 millimeter f5.6. Um, if you've if you're if you've got a new mirrorless system or you've, you've been shooting mirrorless for a little bit, little while and are interested in macro in any way, that is the lens that I point people towards at this point. It's um, yeah, just super super compact and as you said, it, right? It's something that's easy like throwing in the bag, right? The hundred millimeter, it's yeah, it's light. But it's still a commitment, right? If you're going to go out for a hike and, and maybe you're going to shoot some landscape mm -hmm. as, your, as your goal, just throwing the macro, throwing that 100 millimeter in your bag or, or any, any 100 millimeter, not just the Lawa, but any, any of the manufacturers 100 millimeters, like 
it's a commitment. It's it's a bigger lens. It's going to take up space in a bag, and mm -hmm. I, yeah, it's light for its size, but it's not light. Um, I wouldn't say, and none of them are, are light. Mm -hmm. But the eighty-five millimeter is right. It's really easy to say, all right, I'm going to throw this lens in my bag, and maybe I'll end up shooting some macro. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me too. Like, I'm mostly a wildlife guy, so. I'm used to, you know, four or five pound lenses. So for me, like anything under that size is just like almost nothing. So, yeah. All right. It's, it's all a matter of perspective. For there, sure. Then. Yeah. If you're, if you're walking around with, and you, yeah, you said the 100, 500. So uh -huh. I should have, I should have known. No, you're all good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I know what you mean though. You know, it's not like the smallest lens in the world, but for me, it's like the perfect size. So, yeah. Uh -huh. I, 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 I would, I would push you to take a look at that 85 millimeter. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's been my my new favorite and sort of lived on my Z6 for the last couple of weeks for sure. Cool. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the and the and so then the the 14 millimeter that that you guys had as well. So it's good for video. It's a good like. It's yeah. It was launched last year. It's a DSLR specific design. It doesn't have any mirrorless mounts it's specifically for ef or nikon f um and i i really look at it as one like like a as a good staple all around ultra wide if you're if you're continuing to shoot in a dslr system it's like yeah if, if you have a if you have a setup and you're looking for something that'll go wide um yeah it's it's just a really great little lens um and it has some some creature comforts as well. There's a really cool focus locking um, system to adjust the infinity focus. Uh, so for astrophotography, if you're out shooting and you want to, right, you need to get infinity's focus locked in and, and targeted specifically, most lenses, if you adjust the focus um, all the way to the end, you're going to focus past infinity, um, which is good. You want that. You don't want a lens that, um, that is going to restrict you and stop you right at infinity because temperature swings and differences and changes that slight difference you may like if if uh, if something shifts you may get to a point where um, when you dial the lens all the way over to infinity it doesn't actually focus at infinity um, and so you're limited there so most lenses allow you to go past to accommodate for slight variations and slight changes. But that 14 millimeter uh, f4, it has a tool that allows you to loosen the focus uh, focus ring, um, dial in infinity. So uh, during daylight hours, or when you've got uh, when you're in a situation where you've got a good subject out at infinity that you can focus in on and lock on, um, and then adjust the focus ring over to uh, the end point where it is infinity, lock that lock down lock it down. And then when you're going, when you're out shooting for the astro work, uh, you can just dial the lens all the way over to and lock it on the end, and you know that you're going to be locked at infinity focus. So, a, a couple cool, relatively unique features um, on a lens like that. Yeah, I, I didn't get to use it for astro or nighttime photography, but that's definitely something I like. I'll keep in mind. But yeah, I really enjoyed the lens. Um, it's solidly constructed. Um, I'm so used to autofocus that, you know, the manual focus is a little bit something to get used to, but, you know, I adjusted pretty well after using it for out in the field a little while. Um, and that distortion is like non-existent, which is awesome too, with, you know, the wide angle, of course. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to, to play around with. And like uh, I, I, I often find myself when I'm shooting with the, those wide angles, just sort of panning back and forth and, mm -hmm. and watching the, watching that parallax shift, watching the, the everything sort of spread as it gets closer to the edge of the image. Um, yeah, it's, it, I, I really enjoy wide angle. That's, um, I've been an ultra wide shooter for a long time. Um, and, and macro in the last year, I've, I've had to learn a lot. And I, I'll, I'll make the argument that macro may be one of the hardest disciplines to mm -hmm. perfect. It's yeah. it's definitely really? easy to get into, but the technical to do it well. 
Yeah, to to, yeah. to to like yeah to do it really not even to do it well. You could do it well, um, yeah, fairly simply. It certainly takes some work to get there, um, but it's a deep deep hole, and you can keep like fine tuning and adjusting and getting into some of the the ultra macro stuff and going. Um, so we also have a twenty five millimeter um, two point five to five x macro lens um right so we're not not stopping at a two to one now we're, we're starting at a 2.5x macro and going all the way down into a 5x um so that is that's where you're like at 2x you start to see things that you didn't notice before um right you start to see things about an object that when you're just looking at it in real life you you might not notice um yeah, when you get down to a 5x, um, you start approaching uh, microscope magnification territory, right? Most microscopes are going to start in that 10x, uh, 6 to 10x range. And so 5x with a full frame sensor coverage um, is pretty impressive. And you can do some really cool stuff with it. And yeah, talking about seeing the world, see, seeing a different world, seeing things that you don't notice. Yeah, at 5x, everything is different and everything changes. And the slightest change in position uh, can change the composition significantly. So I've been playing with that lens uh, the past couple months. My challenge, the challenge to myself with that has been um, uh, snowflake photography. I want to, I'm still trying. I've, I've got a couple, I have one that I'm, I'm okay with, uh, one shot that I've taken. Um, but I really, I'm, uh, yeah, I th I'm, I'm up in Buffalo, New York. So I, I figure I've got another month, uh, in, in, in through April, I've got another month. I'll get a couple more shots at, uh, perfecting my snowflakes, but that's, yeah, that's that ultra macro range where you start getting down into stuff that, um, really razor thin at depth of field and you start getting into using tools like focus stacking um and, and some other other areas there which very very powerful you can do a lot of different things and like focus stacking i don't know if you if either of you have tried it out or, or if any of the listeners just do it just just like just spend dedicate an hour to finding a subject taking a whole stack of images and running it through the software Mm -hmm. uh, Photoshop itself will do a, a decent photo stack. Um, it's, yeah, not necessarily the best software, but um, I would just, just so you start thinking about photography, like it, it opens up a different way to think about um, photography and certainly a different way to think about macro uh, photography. Um, it is, it's very easy to shoot a focus stack and to do it it is very, very hard to perfect it. So even, even more so than just macro, but getting into focus stacking. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, fine tuning and getting it exactly right is the challenge. But I would encourage everyone. The first time I, I put it off for a very long time, I was very intimidated. Oh, it's going to be a lot. I, I don't have the time to spend to look. And, and just just doing it once, running through the process to see how, how it works and how you do it. Um, yeah, it, it is it is a tool that opens up a lot of different areas for, for photography. Be it if you're shooting macro or focus stacking in a landscape world as well, um, opens up a lot of different possibilities and you can do a lot of different things um, shooting landscapes, but focus stacking. So um, I encourage everybody, that's, that's one thing that um, I wish I had played around earlier and just, just done it. I was intimidated for many years of like, yeah, hearing about what you're doing, I'm going to take 15, 20 images, sometimes more images at, at a different plane of focus, and then I've got to put them all, I've got to combine each of those, and I've got to look for the sharpest parts of each of them. No, software does, all, like, yeah, software does a lot of that combining, and a lot, like, you can, you can do it all in software. There are going to be imperfections, and cleaning up the imperfections uh, is where the challenge comes in. But I encourage everybody to, to make an attempt at focus stacking. Um, it's it's worth going through. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, landscapes, yeah. macro, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, Stephen, this has been a great, uh, very informative episode. Um, I hope everyone can extract some information and use it in their own photography. Um, where's the best place to find out more about Lao Lenses? So Lao Lenses, uh, our website, venuslens.net. Um, that's that's the main hub where we've got all the all of the different lenses you can look through and find. Uh, but then also from there, you can find our different social medias, whatever you're on, uh, Instagram, Facebook, a uh, couple others there as well. So um, and that that's where you can see some news. Um, but also I'm going to push another plug out, uh, certainly for hunts, but also check out your local camera store. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you, if you haven't been into your local camera store in a while, or you're not sure where your closest local camera store is, um, I'm going to throw a plug in there. Take, take a look at your, your, your local camera store. Um, my, my job is to, to help them, uh, carry Lawa and carry the Lawa line. So, um, I'm a I'm a firm believer in, in, in the value of uh, having a camera store in, in your community and, and nearby. So uh, check them out and support them. Uh, so Hunts is a is a local camera store, um, and so certainly supporting Hunts is 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 great. Um, but also, if you've got a store in your community, check them out. For sure, yeah. Yes. Thanks for coming on tonight. Um, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I I appreciate the time, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for watching the Owl Outdoors Photography Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the video version on YouTube as well. You can subscribe down below, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you.